0: Those little eyes up here. It is so important about what we're talking about so that your faith can be an example to them. Because I'm telling you, parents, I know that we practice around here this idea that you know the church can't do all the discipling of your children. You, you have to take some responsibility in discipling your children. And uh, a big part of that is you living your faith out at home and if they don't see that then there is a there's a high chance that what they're receiving here isn't going to be carried out any further when they leave your home so it's very important and and that's not that's not always the case Um, some of us like myself didn't grow up in a home that had that kind of example Um, so I just want to say to also some of our young people here, some of our teenagers, I just want to say uh, 1 Timothy 4.12, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. But set an example for the believers in speech, life, love, faith, and purity. And I want to thank the young people that helped make this church happen. Thank the, a lot of the teenagers that helped make things happen this morning, getting things set up for us today. So. Uh, Isaiah 41.10, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. We need that. We need the Lord, and we need his help. When we look at the list of fears we, we, and, and the fears that plague us, we, we, we go, well, that just, that's just natural. That's part of life. But the truth is, is that it's, it, fear does something very unnatural to us. It, it uh, paralyzes us. It also torments our mind. Uh, worry, anxiety, that's what it does. It's replaying. And uh, in that torment, God does not want us to remain there. He doesn't want us to be afraid. Instead, he wants to offer us something else. And uh, this is a lot of what we talked about last week. And, and one of the things that we talked about is, is the Bible. God commands us to not be afraid. He commands, do not be afraid. And how do you follow that command? And we talked about how we fix our eyes, uh, fix our minds on God's promises, and we fix our minds on the fact that God's presence is with us. And I know that for some of us, though, uh, you know, there's the obvious question, well, what do I do, Shannon, if my fear hits me and, and I'm paralyzed? <laughs> my mind is paralyzed. My, my thoughts are stifled, like you talk about. So how am I supposed to get them to be fixed on God's promises and on his presence when my mind is paralyzed. How I do that. And God gives us this verse, Second Timothy 1, seven, which says, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and self-discipline. You see, fear has a spiritual element that only affects not only affects our minds, but also affects our spirits. And so God addresses a spiritual problem. With a spiritual answer. Did you notice in that verse it says the word spirit twice? There's a spirit of timidity, a spirit of of fear. And then there's a spirit that God offers to bring to us. So fear has a spiritual element that not only affects our minds, but affects our spirits. So one of the things that we need to know is that God can supply to us what we do not have. He can supply to us what we need, and he does that by his Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1.13 says that he has sealed us with his Holy Spirit. Everyone who has put faith in Jesus Christ has been sealed with his Holy Spirit. And and there's moments when the the Holy Spirit can give us what we need. So I know that uh, some of you may have had that question, well, how do I change my thoughts when my thoughts are paralyzed? Well... You have to get something that you do not have in that moment. You have to get something that you cannot supply on your own. You have to receive something from God. God will give you a spirit, a power of love and self-discipline. And in some translations, it says a sound mind. A sound mind is the opposite of a paralyzed mind. It's the opposite of a tormented mind. A sound mind can think clearly, and can have self-discipline to fix its thoughts on God's Word and on God's presence. So how do you gain a sound mind? By the Spirit that God gives you. By the Spirit that God gives you. His Spirit gives us what we need. Now, what else does this verse say that God supplies to us that we do not have? Well, there's also love, spirit of power and of love. You know, last week we shared that uh, from 1 John four eighteen, that, <coughs> excuse me. Oh, thank you. Um, boy, I hope I don't have something hanging out. Mm. <laughs> that was a good one. Um, well, I shared with you last week that perfect love drives out fear, 1 John four eighteen. but, you know, Love, it seems like such a simple thing to do, but we have so much trouble doing it. You know, loving people is, is, we have trouble in it, let alone having perfect love. And, you know, how do you get this perfect love that drives out fear? Well, you don't generate it on your own. You, perfect love comes from God. And so he supplies it to your spirit by his spirit. What's the other element in this verse that God will supply? He supplies power, he supplies love. Uh, supplies, uh, okay. Sound mind, love, and power. I did it backwards. So the Lord supplies to us this this power to overcome timidity, cowardice, fear. You know, the Greek word for power is energia, and which has several forms and variations of meaning. And sometimes uh, the Greek people would use it in different ways. Uh, Greek doctors back in the day, when um, when Jesus lived and before his time, Greek doctors would use energia to describe uh, the powerful effects of medicines or drugs, uh, saying that it, it produce an action uh, and result. A military people used energia or power when, to describe a vigorous attack. Uh, farmers even used the word energia or power to describe land that was really producing lots of grain and fruit and vegetables. And so, no matter how it was used, the overall tone of how it's used in the New Testament is that energia is effective action. This power that God gives is effective action. You know, that's the opposite of paralyzing fear. That's the opposite of a stagnation of our thoughts and our actions. This energia, this power from God, is exactly what our spirits need to overcome fear. This effective action. And the truth is, is that you don't have to look up a bunch of Greek words to understand that God wants to supply to you this power to your spirit because it's, it's translated for us in plain English in Ephesians chapter 1 uh, when Paul prays that we understand this power. And you just got to stop right there and just go, okay, God is going to give us something, but, but we better pray to understand what it is he's going to give to us. This is some amazing power. I'll tell you how amazing it is. Listen to Paul's prayer. God's incomparably great power for us who believe. Everyone, do you believe? If you believe, this power is for you. That power, he's going to describe it here, is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead. How much power is that? I would think that is immeasurable power. And right here in the scriptures, it says that that power is available to those of us who believe. The power that raised Christ from the dead is available to you and to me. That's the kind of power that's given to us to overcome timidity, fear, and cowardice, and anxiety, and worries. God wants to supply that to you as a believer. He wants to put in our spirits, by His Spirit, what can overcome those things that will paralyze you. You know, when I think of this kind of power... And and of the power, this uh, power, love, and sound mind. I, I think of the missionary Gladys Alward. She was a missionary to China. Uh, she went there right uh, during, uh, right before uh, the Japanese uh, invasion, and uh, she ministered to a, a village. And there in the village, she ministered to orphans, uh, to traveling merchants coming through. Uh, also to men in the local prison. And if you want to learn more about Gladys Allward and you're not a reader, you can uh, uh, get the movie, uh, The End of the Sixth Happiness. And uh, it's the story, her story, it's a bit romanticized, but it's, it's a great story. Catherine Hepburn is in it. And uh, anyway, um, but Gladys Allward, the real Gladys Allward, she was known as a woman full of the spirit. Now, local Chinese people probably didn't say that. They probably said she was feisty. Uh, she was fiery. Uh, but Others who are believers would say that she was full of the spirit and the fruit that comes from God's spirit. And when she was not ministering uh, uh, to those in her village, she was finding Anyone else that she could minister to. But there was a moment uh, when there was a riot that broke out in the prison. And uh, the warden and the mayor and uh, the people of the town were, and, and the prison guards, they were like, we're just going to let them fight it out. We're just going to let them slaughter themselves. And when they're finally out of the energy, then we'll go back in there. And that just broke Gladys's heart. Uh, there was a man who did come to her with some authority in the town and said, Would you come? Would you help? And she's like, Me, what am I supposed to do? So she shows up at the prison. The riot's going on. Uh, some guards have been killed. People in the prison are killed. They're going crazy in there. And they say, Hey, okay, um, Gladys, what can you do? And she said, Well, let me in. What? And so anyway... Uh, She's there before the gates. They're getting ready to open up the gates to let her in and then close them real quick. And they say, are you afraid? She said, yes. Now open the gates. And then she walked in. And as she walked in, she began talking to prisoners one by one. And what happened is the killing stopped and the riots stopped. And what what you see there is that. There was a spirit of power and of love and sound mind that was in this woman and was on her so much that it overflowed to the people around her. That is what God can do and what he can supply to us. You know, when I look to the Bible and I think of a person there that really, that comes to mind when I think about someone who received from the spirit what they needed to overcome fear. I think of the man Stephen in the book of Acts. You know, when the church first began... Uh, they were all meeting in the temple, uh, meeting there daily, having a large gathering. The apostles were teaching. They were worshiping. And then they would go off into each other's homes, and they would share a meal. And they would do this every day. They've been doing it up for almost seven years. And then this moment came when there was a conflict that arose in the church. And the conflict was uh, was the help of distributing food to those who were in need in the church. And, see, there was uh, a conflict because there were some Greek Jews and Hebrew Jews um, and they were in conflict because there were widows, the Greek widows, were being overlooked when uh, food was being distributed in the church. And so uh, in this conflict, the apostles and some of the believers that were gathered there, they said, hey, we can fix this. Let's take care of it. And so they chose seven, uh, seven men and, uh, that would help solve this conflict. And one of the seven was Stephen, who was described as a man full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit, And as one who is full of God's grace and power. And after resolving this conflict, and while he was serving the widows, he began to do some miracles. And there were great miracles that caused a hubbub. And the hubbub attracted some of the Jewish leaders. And they came, and they wanted to talk to Stephen and say, well, how are you doing this? And, well, I'm doing it by the power of Jesus' name. And, of course, that started a conflict. Jesus. That was a conflict for the Jewish leaders. And so they began to oppose Stephen and argue with him. But scripture says they could not stand up against his wisdom or by the spirit by whom, by whom he spoke. And since they couldn't stand up to him, they brought false charges against him and seized him to bring him before the Jewish high council. And when they had him there, everyone was looking at him. their The accusations false accusations were being thrown at him and the judge looks at him and says so do you have anything to say about these accusations And at that moment all eyes were on Stephen and the scripture says that on his face was was the look of like the face of an angel basically what they were saying was that this man wasn't sitting there shaking in his boots but it was like the glory that shines off the angels because they're in God's presence was shining off of him And it's like, what in the world? Now, if if you were called into court and being accused for some things that you didn't do or you felt like that you shouldn't be in court for, would you be a little nervous? Would you have a little worry? Would you have a little anxiety? I think I would. I don't know if I would have a shiny glory face like Stephen did at that moment. But Stephen did because something was going on inside of him. And Stephen boldly spoke before them at that point, challenging their views, challenging the the Jewish leaders' views, and proclaiming that they had betrayed and murdered Jesus. And at that point the council stopped. And they, they stopped listening, and they were furious with Stephen. And and Stephen, at that point, full of the Holy Spirit, looks up and says, Look, I see heaven open, and a son of man, the Son of Man is standing at the right hand of God. And at this point, the whole council just threw up their hands. They dragged Stephen out and out of the city. They begin to stone him. And Stephen prayed at this moment, as the rocks were pounding him. He says, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Do not hold this sin against them. Forgive them. Wow. Right here in this account, just a few short scenes from the life of Stephen, we see. This man who is full of the Spirit overcome multiple fears by the power, love, and sound mind supplied by the Spirit. And if you didn't catch those, what they were, let me, let me point them out to you again from his story, all right? One, he overcame the fear of ethnic prejudices. Do you know that's something that's still going on in our city? Still going on in this region? There's people who don't go to certain neighborhoods or are scared or don't talk to each other or don't go to certain stores. They don't want to be around it's ethnic prejudice. And it can't be in the church. It can't be there. And if there is something, some sort of fear there of other people and their differences, then we have to overcome it. And how do we do that? By the spirit that God supplies. You see, Stephen, he was actually one of the Greek Jews. Did you know that? Stephen, it was his people, the minority who were being overlooked in the conflict over the food distribution. So when the disciples chose this multi-ethnic team of seven, he stepped up and he helped serve on the team. It would have took some courage to do that when he was in the minority. But he was there to help make sure that things were fair and that the distribution happened fairly to his people. And he did it and helped resolve that conflict peacefully. In his story, you're also going to see that Stephen overcame not only the fear of ethnic prejudice, but he also overcame the fear of conflict. You know, when this conflict arose between the Greek Jews and the Hebrew Jews, Stephen just didn't run away, throw up his hands, go, I I don't like conflict. I don't enjoy it. I don't want to talk about this. Can't we just, won't this just smooth over? You know what? How many of us don't enjoy conflict? I mean... I don't enjoy conflict. I mean, that, I mean, okay, maybe there's a few of us that go looking for it. I mean, there's a few that are like, man, give it to me. I love getting into a good argument. You know, but most of us will avoid conflict. And, and there are times when that's all right. But then there are times if we are not choosing to face conflict because we know truth spoken will heat the conflict. If it's then that we're pulling away, that's, that's a fear, that's a timidity, that's a cowardice that cannot be on God's people. And it's got to be overcome. And how can it be overcome? By the spirit that God supplies to us. So in the story, you see Stephen overcome this fear when the conflict arose between the Greeks and the Jews. It, he also in, uh, overcame this fear of conf- conflict when the uh, Jewish leaders opposed him and they said, by whose name are you doing this? You know, he could have shuffled around and said, well, you know, God, he helped me do this. You know what he said? He says, by the name of Jesus. That's the whole reason there was conflict. If he would have said God, it would have been all over. You know it's the same for us today. That name, the name of Jesus, still still is a sword in our society. It divides. And yet, it's the name that will only bring us peace. And we've got to have courage to speak his name. Stephen wasn't afraid to have conversation that was centered around controversy. Now, Stephen... He didn't also just overcome the fear of ethnic prejudice. He didn't just overcome the fear of conflict. He also overcame the fear of looking or being weak. You know, Stephen was obviously an articulate and wise man. He was able to teach and preach. It was obvious when he, when he got into the conflict with the Jewish leaders. But he didn't think it too lowly to serve widows food. You know, at, the, at his time of day... In his culture, the cultural standard said that's a job for, for slaves and a job for women. And yet as a man, a very capable man, he did not think it beneath him to serve these women, serve these people. And he did it with a spirit of power and love and sound mind, not worrying about what people might think of him. You know, some of us, we got the same thing going on, man. We don't want to appear like we don't got it together. We, don't, we want to appear like we're able-bodied, capable people, not incapable people, incompetent people. You know, when something goes wrong, we get embarrassed. That embarrassment, there's a little fear in it. It's not just embarrassment, but there's a fear. What will people think of me? I screwed it up. So then, the, then start coming the excuses. Well, I better cover up and say why this happened because there was a reason why it happened. We start defending ourselves. It's like, just just lay it all at rest. Just go, you know what? Psst, man, I blew it. Failure isn't fatal. We all fail at times. We all are weak and frail humans. And there might be some times when you might be asked to do something, and you might think it's a little below yourself. Do you got to let a, you know, is there something in you that's got to let everybody know hey, I'm capable, I'm talented, I'm great, I'm amazing? If I sweep a floor or go serve somebody or do the trash, that's really beneath me. Are you okay appearing weak? Because we're told to be servants. You know what the true test of a servant is? When you're treated like one. It happens sometimes, doesn't it? It happens in the church. And we've got to have the power and love and sound mind to overcome that fear. Overcome that fear of being weak or looking weak. Or appearing like we're screw-ups. You know what? Stephen was full. He was full of the Spirit. And he was able... To overcome that. Stephen also overcomes the fear of opposing mainstream views. Man, you talk about something for our city that we got to overcome. I mean, that's a fear. I mean, talk about it. I mean, our faith is founded on Jesus Christ who says he is the way, the truth, and the life. No other way to the Father but through him. And we live in a city who says, no way, man, truth is relative. We live in an in a era that says, hey, that might be true for you, but that's not true for me. It's called pluralism. And we just, we just say, oh, it's all many roads. It all lead to one path. But you know what? Where's north? Remember the thing that Dave Ramsey did the other week, other week? There's just one true north. And if we're all thinking north is some other direction, we're going to end up in some place we don't want to be. All the paths don't end up in the same place. And we've got to have courage to be able to state that because it is part of the foundation of our faith. The foundation is Jesus Christ, who says he is the Son of God. Salvation is only by his name. We have got to have some courage. And Stephen had that courage to oppose mainstream views in his speech Stephen opposed this, uh, the views that were held by the Jewish leaders and the Jewish people of his time. See, they all believed that Jerusalem was the center of the world. They thought everything revolved around Israel and the temple worship system. And you, could, you can see that, uh, there's proof of that when you look back just a few chapters from the, uh, Stephen's story when they celebrated Pentecost. Because uh, what did all the people do? They left their towns and their homes in different countries from many different countries, and they left for a month, and they came and they celebrated this big festival called Pentecost. Where? In Jerusalem. Because that's where everything happens. And if you're really going to celebrate it, you've got to be there. Well, Stephen opposed this in the light of Christ and his truth that changes everything. And he challenged them in this. He said, he reminded the council, he said that the founding of the Hebrew faith was in Mesopotamia, not in Jerusalem. Abraham. Abraham wasn't wasn't a Jew when he was called to be a follower of God. He was a Chaldean in Mesopotamia. He reminded the council that the liberation of the Jews occurred through Moses in Egypt, not in Jerusalem. Where Where were the Israelites set free? In Egypt. He told the truth that the law of God was given in the desert of Sinai. It wasn't given in Jerusalem. And then he reminded them that God did not only live in a temple, but heaven is his throne and earth is his footstool. He doesn't only live in a temple. He never did, never will. And Stephen had a spirit of power and love, sound mind to deliver that in the face of people that didn't agree with that view. Stephen also overcame the fear of enemies. You know, during this whole time, Stephen was being accused, but as the scripture says, he was full of the Holy Spirit. And there was an effective action at work in him, an energia, a power. And in the end, as his accusers stoned him, what did Stephen do? He had the love, power, and sound mind in that moment to say, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. Don't hold this sin against them. I, 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 can you imagine having the mind, the presence of mind to be able to do that in that kind of moment, in such pain, in agony, in the face of people that were so furious and full of hatred, looking in you, looking at you? Stephen was able to do that because he had something in him that was not inter- or created by himself he did not work it up on his on his own it was something supplied to him by god and you know what stephen reminds me of somebody else who did those same things reminds me of the god man jesus he overcame ethnic prejudice by leaving his country of heaven and coming to this lowly place called earth and looking like one of us and living among us He overcame his fear of conflict, knowing that in in heaven with Father and the Holy Spirit, he had perfect fellowship, but coming to earth, he had to say, I am the Son of God and know that people would reject him and kill him. And he overcame the fear of looking and appearing weak by taking on human likeness, being found in appearance a, a man. And not only that, but actually being a servant becoming obedient to death he overcame that fear and then he also overcame the fear of his enemies and as they crucified him he forgave them but not only them he forgave us because we were all once enemies of the cross enemies of god and jesus looked at us and forgave us while we were his enemies you know What's the point of all this? What's the big deal? Well, the list of fears is for us as humanity is so long. Fear, it, it's, it's the biggest club in the enemy's bag. And he likes to beat us down with it repeatedly. And for some here, we are so beaten down with fear. That it is actually difficult to think clearly, to change our thoughts, and to be fixed on God's promises and God's presence. Some of you are in this beaten down position, and you need to stop going through your head first and instead go through your spirit first. You need what Stephen had. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to approach a spiritual problem with a spiritual answer. You need a spirit of power and love and sound mind to be supplied to you by the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 speaks to us, saying that we should be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the word is actually translated continually filled with the Holy Spirit. There are pastors and theologians that joke about that and say, Ha ha, yeah, we need to be continually filled because we leak. We leak. And you can smile and we smirk, but you know what? I think, I, I think our God knows how to seal us with the Holy Spirit, that there's no leaks. And I just I simply believe that there are times when the press of life and the fears that press in upon us are so intense that we need the energia of the Spirit to be activated to full power. There are other moments in life when it's, when it's just peace like a river. We don't need the full power activation. The Spirit is there. We're living in the the fullness of Him, but it's not activated in a way because the need is not there. Other moments, there are storms of life, and we need them, and we need the activation. Look, I believe that God desires to supply His fullness to us, Colossians 2, verses 9 and 10. I don't think you have to do anything dramatic to get... The Spirit supply to your spirit. You know, when you're afraid, when your mind is paralyzed, I just pray that, that when you're in that moment, when you're in that time of great need, that you will that by the Spirit you will be able to remember to call out to Him. You may not, your mind might be paralyzed and you can't think anything else, but I pray that you'll be able to think the name of Jesus and that you'll be able to speak and get the words out and say, Lord Jesus, fill me with your spirit. and it's as simple as that Lord Jesus fill me with your spirit and i believe that he will and i believe that you must believe that the word of god is true that he will fill you and that he will supply with you with what you need because 2 Timothy 1.7 says, We have not been given a spirit of timidity, of fear, of cowardice, but we've been given a spirit of power, of love, and sound mind. It's the truth. So if your mind's paralyzed, we'll start with the spirit first. And the spirit might be able to give you the mind that will be able to then be able to think, fix your thoughts on where they need to go. Would you stand with me right now? We're going to pray. We're going to continue in our worship and respond to what God is doing. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for how you supply what we need. And we thank you, Lord, that you give us, by your spirit, power, love, sound mind. Lord, we thank you for the story of Stephen who gives us the picture of, of you and what you did, and what you did for us at the cross. Thank you, Father, for sending the Son. Thank you for, for offering yourself there, for overcoming the fears that probably certainly pressed in on you, but you did not succumb to them, but you came with power because you have the Spirit without limit, and you overcame not only fear, but you overcame sin and death for us, And, Lord Jesus, we know that you lived the life that we should have lived. You died the death we should have died. And so the next few moments as we continue our worship, Lord, we want to remember your sacrifice on the cross, that you took our place there, that you took our sin on yourself and obliterated it. And when we come to you, that we truly can have forgiveness of our sin. We can be made washed clean. So, Lord Jesus, we love you. We praise you. In the next few moments, there will be some places around the room where we have communion offered, cup with juice that represents Christ's blood, a plate with bread on it representing his body. You take the bread, dip it in the juice, and remember his sacrifice. This is something that Jesus himself instituted. He said, I want you to do this, and when you do it, remember me. So this is one moment where you ask the Spirit, Lord, help my mind to be a sound mind, have self-discipline, help me to be able to fix my thoughts on you, Jesus, because you asked me to remember you in this moment. We do this in unity as the body of Christ, all of us united, praising and glorifying Jesus as we do this together.